We have Jim Root joining us right now from Second Chance Points. Uh, also, Action Network, Field of 68. I'm concerned, Jim. We all three of us sitting on this set right now have Purdue minus two and a half, minus one and a half. Trista, you even got Purdue plus one and a half. Maryland's up four. Is Purdue, is this just going to be Purdue, Purdueing right now? Oh, let's make it 47 41, Jim. I'm very concerned. <laughs> very concerned. Yeah, this this was a tough one to figure. I thought the line was low, so from a numerical perspective, I, I would have been with you. Uh, the one thing that was concerning was some of the splits here. Maryland ten and four at home against the spread. Purdue two and five and one on the road against the spread. So it, it's been tough to back any of these road teams in the Big Ten. I mean, the last couple nights, Northwestern wins and covers at home against Indiana. Did the same against Purdue on Sunday. Um, Wisconsin beat Michigan at home. Uh, Penn State beat Illinois at home. I think it's like 62% this year against the spread Big Ten home team. So, I, I, like I said, I would have agreed with you on the number and would have been probably leaning towards betting Purdue. But these home courts, it's outrageous so far this season. Jim, what are your thoughts on Tennessee basketball? They really needed that one last night. They get the win. They were favored in that game against Alabama. They ended up closing as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but they dropped three of four. Your thoughts on them here moving forward in the SEC? I think they're they're solid, and I know some people were sounding alarm bells with them because, like you said, the, the three or four losses, but two of them were really tough breaks on buzzer beaters. Yeah. Their best free throw shooter missed a couple free throws late that gave the other team a chance. So I, I didn't want to bury them too much, and then obviously they come out last night and have a really strong performance, and shorthanded too. That, that was what I think impressed me most. They were down Julian Phillips, down Josiah Jordan-James, two, two really uh, Swiss Army Knife-type forwards, key guys, part of the rotation, and they were able to knock off Alabama. So I, I think that goes a little bit to show that none of these top, top teams are that elite this year. Uh, and that Tennessee, I think, is still a threat, though I have some concerns about them uh, come postseason play. If they play uh, teams that are going to zone them or are forcing to shoot over the top, I think they could be vulnerable. Yeah, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on Alabama, too, because when I was watching that game, the thing that stuck out to me is, number one, you know, when this team plays a tough perimeter defense, they really struggle to get their own shot. Brandon Miller struggles to get separation and even more so gets cooked defensively, especially off the dribble. Like, Do you think that Alabama should be deserving of the number one ranked spot, and do you see them getting bounced early against a tough defensive team in the tournament? I, so I actually love Alabama. I, I'm pretty in on them. Um, unfortunately, it's it's tough. It's a tough sell to make after they're coming off a loss. And I think the the Saturday blowout at Oklahoma a couple weeks back is probably fresh in people's minds as well. Uh, but I, I'm I'm pretty in on the defense. Uh, they lead the country in two point percentage defense. They've got some real size in the paint. Uh, Tennessee was able to finish inside a little bit last night, but I credit that a little more to the spot than I do the teams. Uh, Alabama just being super vulnerable and their big man Charles Bediaco was working through a knee injury he played through it but I don't think he was really the same guy out there and that hurt their interior defense they're still really long in the perimeter they're super deep um, and they take a ton of threes so that does make them a little bit volatile from night to night and, and maybe that would be the reason they go down in a, in a postseason upset because they get cold but generally I really like this team I think they've got playmakers uh, different options offensively if somebody goes cold and, and I trust the defense even though they play at such a fast uh, breakneck pace just following up on that did you were you seeing some of the same things it felt like they were just driving in and taking a bunch of crazy errant shots around the rim yes and that is a part of the system that Nate Oates runs it can get really dicey because he not fully outlaws mid-range jumpers but 
it is pretty much all rim or three for them and really good defenses I think can tune into that and Tennessee is a really good defense basically give them the mid-range and and know that they're going to go all the way to the rim and and attempt something over the top of waiting shot blockers rather than pull up and and take a floater or a a 15-footer at the elbow Alabama's very incessant on getting all the way to the basket and when it looks bad, it looks really bad. And, and Oklahoma's a pretty compact defense a couple weeks ago, and, and Tennessee can do the same thing. So every so often, yeah, there, there's a, a bad matchup for them. And I, I think that's the case for all these elite teams. None of them are matchup-proof. None of them are invulnerable, that's for sure. Yeah, and Jim, obviously it's wide open this year. They're not as good as they were the last couple of years. I don't really love the backcourt, and uh, I don't know if I trust Timmy when we get to the tournament. But 25-1 to for the Zags right now at BetMGM. Uh, is that worth? you know maybe a buy spot or even St. Mary's at 30 to 1 I really like St. Mary's I don't really know what their ceiling is in the tournament either you know team worth taking a shot at at 25 to 1 30 to 1 I think I prefer St. Mary's um the the seeding uh is going to get interesting with both of them I think they're kind of both in that four or five area and they'll probably play two more times here down the stretch head to head so that could change but Gonzaga just – I don't love them defensively. They've been really bad on that end this year, barely inside the top 100 at Ken Palm. And it's just eye test. You watch it. They struggle with physical drivers. Uh, they're not very secure in the perimeter, and they don't have a shot blocker. Last year, Chet Holmgren cleaned up everything for them at the rim, and they have no such player this year, and it's really, really exposed them a little bit. Uh, and then St. Mary's, they're the opposite. Their, their defense is as good as it gets. They're very, very tuned in together. They kind of play on a string. The communication is perfect. Their offense is a little dicier, kind of touch and go from night to night. Yeah. But um, the freshman Aiden Mahaney has started to emerge as a real uh, playmaker and distributor for them. So if they get him to play well and uh, some of the other guys hit shots, then St. Mary's I actually like. They're just so – they have a high floor. Like St. Mary's isn't going to lay an egg against a bad team. They're just—I don't see that happening in the postseason. Jim, I'm going to be honest with you right now. Maryland is up 14. I will never bet on Purdue ever again. I'm angry. I hope they lose the rest of their games. I'm completely frustrated. But I will move on from that. <laughs> I will move on from that. A team I actually really like is UCLA. They're 13 to one to win the title, and it's such a wide open season that we have, where it's like a number one team then loses, and then you have a new number one team in the country, and then they lose, and it's just been. It's been frustrating, honestly, trying to just look at what we can – trying to find anything consistent in college basketball. What do you think of UCLA this season? I like them a lot. I, I, I had a lot of futures going into the season, and UCLA was not one of them. And I added them pretty quickly, even though they lost a couple games in Vegas to Illinois and Baylor. I think when they went east and, and beat Maryland, I think they're the only team now to win at Maryland. Sorry to bring up that sore subject oh, again, but – <laughs> it's UCLA only a 17-point game now, Jim. It's only worse, so I've given up on, yeah. on this. Uh, that's lost. 29-4. to 4. I can't believe they're on that run. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, but UCLA, they profile well for postseason. Uh, they're really, really experienced. Uh, their top two scorers are seniors. They've got a lockdown junior wing. And then they've got a little bit of upside from the freshman class, two five-stars, Adem Bona and Amari Bailey, so they can get a boost from those guys, but they don't need them. Uh, and they're really solid defensively. They've had a coach who's gone to the final four before, which typically you want out of a potential title contender. I like UCLA a lot, and I think maybe being out west, people have lost track of them a little bit in the title race and the hunt for number one and all that. But I think the Bruins are going to be there at least to the Elite Eight, and then who knows from there. It's, it's all about the bounces. Jim, uh, Baylor are normally known for their defense, number one uh, ranked adjusted offense right now in the country. 
Baylor versus Iowa State, because Iowa State kind of known for the opposite, and they're defensively really good right now, eighth in the country. Between those two teams, who do you like more? Oh, I love Baylor. I prefer Baylor. Um, their guards are just fantastic. And it's coming into the year, that was kind of what I was thinking. Uh, maybe they would have the best backcourt in the country, and it's somewhat materialized. I think we've gotten kind of gotten to that point with the way Keontae George has emerged, the freshman, and then Flagler and Cryer are just consistent every single night, knocking down shots. The defense is a real concern, uh, and I think we harped on Purdue a lot last year for the same flaws and being not as not as potent defensively. But with the return of Jonathan Chamba Chachua, who had a, a gruesome knee injury last February, there's some upside there. And in the last game or two, Scott Drew has unfailed this weird, weird amoeba zone that he used to play like 10 years ago. He went away from it probably in the last five years, but that gives them at least another element to try to figure out teams and, and change defenses, keep them guessing. So I like Baylor. Uh, Iowa State just concerns me. I think that offense is going to go through too many droughts yeah. against good teams. Uh, that that would be my concern with the Cyclones. Uh, Jim, I made the mistake last night. Indiana, like I keep expecting them to get right. I don't think they're going to get right, but I don't care about them. Uh, what about Northwestern? Like, what do you think their ceiling Woo! is? You know, uh, for Chris Collins this yeah. year, a fifth seed, a fourth seed. Where do you think they could end up? And like, do you think they could do anything in the tournament? Yeah, I I think they're probably starting to tick up yeah into that seven seed range. They seem to be out of the eight nine purgatory that a lot of teams like to avoid. Cause yeah. you want to dodge that one seed in the second round. They've just been so solid this year uh, defensively, especially. I, I can't believe they lost their two best big men to Duke and UNC respectively in the transfer portal, and they just somehow got better defensively. And they might have the best backcourt in the Big Ten. It's at least a conversation with the way Bowie and Adish have been playing. So you get them in the postseason setting. You've got a couple of shot makers, and hopefully the defense keeps them in any game they play, and you've got a chance. But they've also won a lot of close games, and they're still not really loved by analytics. And I think they're you know, maybe not as good as some of the recent performances have shown. So I'm still skeptical of Northwestern. I'm not buying in on that bandwagon yet. Talking to Jim Root, three-man weave. Uh, North Carolina's just awful, awful this year. I mean, a team that was number one coming into the season. We know preseason polls mean very little. It's like preseason All-Americans. Like, I, we've, we've seen freshmen there before. It's really stupid. But, you know, they're shooting 29% from threes just against the ACC alone. Like, they're not a good shooting team, and it's been worse against a really a weaker ACC this year. Are we in the point now where we have enough of a sample size to – get a, a decent idea at least at what Hubert Davis is as a head coach or are you still giving it more time given that it's just it's been what a year and a half that he's been there as a head coach yeah I don't think he's very good and, and like this this would have been a tough sell to make at the end of last year when they go to the tournament and played awesome from February on but I think that was more aberrational uh, you mentioned the three-point shooting they got really hot in that postseason run last year, uh, end of the uh, regular season, and then into the NCAA tournament. Caleb Love was making everything. And now you see the problem of letting Love and Davis take whatever shots they feel like. And I think Hubert's kind of enabled them to do that. And it goes away from the biggest strength, which is Baycott in the paint. Like, very, very few opponents can handle him. And if you actually feed him and go inside out, Love and Davis will get better shots. Instead, they just are pulling up off the dribble, they're firing up bricks, and that has been a, a very frustrating situation to to monitor this year. And at this point, it's absolutely no certainty that they make the tournament at all. It's probably a coin flip at this stage. I'm really curious your thoughts really quickly. We have about two minutes. Just on Xavier, I know they've kind of had their ups and downs, started off really hot at the Phil Knight and had a good beginning of the year. 
Uh, they end up just barely covering last night. But, man, Sean Miller has these boys playing tough. Do you think that there's uh, any value at any level uh, backing Xavier in any way? There might be. And the the trick is trying to time it right. Um, I was really impressed by the effort last night because they were shorthanded. They're missing, still missing Zach Fremantle starting forwards, been out, and then their freshman guards. Uh, Desmond Claude and Cam Kraft were both out too, and they just hung in from from opening tip to final buzzer there at Marquette. Tough place to play, and so their offense is good enough to beat just about anybody every night. They're an elite three point shooting team, and they produce a lot of good shots. Top five in the country in assist rates. So they really share it. The defense is a little bit dicier. Uh, that's that's kind of their fatal flaw. But if they get Fremantle back in there, they can outscore just about anybody, and that gives you real upside in the postseason. So I, I think I'm tentatively buying, but waiting to see if Fremantle can get back healthy. Uh, before we let you go, anything that you like tonight? Uh, at 8 p.m., there's an under that I'm a big fan of, Texas A&M Commerce and, geez, who do they play? Uh, New Orleans. Ugly game in the Southland. I know it's crazy off the radar, but uh, I gave this out as my best bet on our show, and I think there's still some value there. Commerce really likes to slow the game down in a, in a conference of teams that like to play up and down. Jim, could I talk you into the uh, South Alabama Jags now? Unfortunately, we kind of <laughs> missed the number. They're up 11-6 right now on Southern Miss. But one-and-a-half-point dogs, the 13-14 and 14 team at home against a 23-4 and 4, uh, Southern Miss team. Didn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, it's, it's a wild line. I love Southern Miss. I've got a future on them to win that league. But this was a tough spot for them. <laughs> and, and like you said, that line was certainly giving off some, uh, some eyebrow-raising vibes there. The obscure games are what Ryan Horvath loves more than anything else. Love South Alabama, Jim. <laughs> but I'm with Dan Southern. That's where the value is. There you go. Jim Root, three-man weave. Thanks for coming on with us, man. Perfect. Thanks for having me.